Well, good morning, team. Wednesday. Is this Wednesday? All Tuesday. day. All day Wednesday. All day Jesus, Wednesday. Jesus, the days are flying. <laughs> days wow, are you're flying a little Jeb Bush. You're a little low-energy Jeb this morning, boy. What day is it? How come my sentences are falling out of my mouth like stones? <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. Hey, Jenny, don't you hate it when you design a great campaign and you come up with a really great strategy and a platform and everything, and then some comms guy like Reed forgets to proofread the goddamn door knocker before it goes out to the printer? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. It's apparently in the riding of Richmond Hill, who one of my favorite people in the world is is uh, is running there. But like, I thought for at the start it was just it was missing eyes, but it's like someone's maybe their I don't know their their eye on their computer didn't work, but it's missing a T here and there. Like that's um that's a that's a rough day. That's a it's in the grand scheme of things it means zero, but for a local campaign it that that is like that 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 has thrown them they'll, they'll be off kilter for like days. But that was a local. That was just one writing. They didn't print like thirty-seven million of those things. I don't know. I've I've only seen the Isn't one it? copy online. I heard it was just one writing. But oh. if it's if it's if it's if it's from like what we called Lit Hub or the Lit Machine, um, then yeah, there's a bigger problem. But I assume we would have already heard about that if that was the if that was the case. Well, that's a relief for you guys then, because I did assume it was like what we would call the writing services package. I assumed it was essentially mm-hmm. like you know full of full of mistakes. And uh, he's the he's the flan with the plan. Oops, outdoor uh, <laughs> stuff's everywhere. <laughs> hey, you know who's here with us is Nick Taylor Vasey from Politico. Oh. Hello, Nick. Oh, hey, David. I'm just you know I'm just sitting here. I'm just enjoying the conversation. Yeah, you've got the same energy I do at this hour of the day. You're yeah, like, you know what's happening Jenny is God carry this thing. Like allergies have have slapped me in the face today, so my eyes are exploding right now but i'm my voice still works so i'm going to try that there's no crying in baseball nick <laughs> well yeah i'm not i'm not trying to cry <laughs> there's no there's, there's no, no no rosacea in podcasting nick okay <laughs> get some pills and cream buddy and show up tomorrow Be like better. inside i'm great you know I, <laughs> the brain's working i think anyway all right what's going what's going on well, so I'm really curious uh, in this morning's playbook about uh, Aaron Tool and the Aaron. <laughs> let me try that one again. Aaron O'Toole and the Tool. working class. Oh, the, the media bias out there. Yeah, how about that? Uh, no. hey? Wow, all it takes is a few itchy eyes. <laughs> uh, Aaron O'Toole is going after the working class vote, and and the NDP will will call it disingenuous and cynical, and and they in fact have called it those things. Um, but he's talking about making it easier or giving tax advantages to companies who who sell ownership stakes to employees. And he's talking about preventing employers from and, and executives from paying themselves bonuses um, through restructuring unless the company's pension fund is fully funded. And and whatever the NDP says, um, or even some what the liberals say, I'm, I'm just really curious, and we sort of played out a little bit uh, this morning in our in our newsletter, uh, what Voters who think about this stuff will think of it all because, you know, this is uh, this is a, a different leader than uh, for the millionth time we're saying it, I guess, than Andrew Scheer and uh, and even Stephen Harper. So, yeah, we're talking about that a bit. Well, we touched we touched on that a bit yesterday. 
but I think the most troubling thing out of the abacus poll for the NDP, I'd be less worried about Aaron O'Toole than themselves. They're sitting at 21 percent. They're in third place with with people that would identify themselves as union members uh, in terms of support. Aaron O'Toole wants to convince me that he's a working man. I want to see him under a 67 Mustang fixing the chassis. I want grease on his hands. <laughs> I want a rag sticking out of the back pocket of his tight-fitting jeans. I want the whole scene, okay? Until then, this is all just propaganda. You, you got to apply the same principle to Trudeau now, and I will give you the rest of the show to think of your metaphor. Um, all right, Nick. <laughs> Where's everybody today, and what are they up to? It's a bandana around the thigh, just like Chachi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trudeau, David, is um, on the West Coast. He's in Surrey, uh, swing riding. So swung all the way west from, uh, from Ontario. Uh, that's where he starts anyway. We don't know where he's going to end because uh, Trudeau's itineraries these days are, are pretty light on detail. They kind of give you the starting point, but they don't give you what, what's next. Um, but that just keeps people like me guessing. So that's fun. And, uh, Aaron O'Toole is, he's out of Ottawa. He's going to Hamilton today. So Hamiltonians have had a real ball this week. This is the third leader this week and it's only Wednesday. Uh, and, yeah, real and ball. so he's, yeah, he's showing up for, he's going to Brantford and then he's going downtown for, uh, uh, a, 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 I didn't, I shied away from calling it a rally because Hamilton's had more visits in the first week than Saskatchewan's going to get in the whole campaign. That's true. That's true, uh, but he's he's having this this he's having this rally. Um, but maybe it's not a rally because you know you have limits on rallies. But it's at the Hamilton Convention Center, so surely there are going to be more than a few people there, or at least he hopes. Uh, and then uh, our 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 third party working class leader Jagmeet Singh is in Windsor, um, and this morning he's going to be talking about affordability, which is kind of what they're all talking about every day. But um, he'll be talking about cell phone bills. Uh, I am told, and so that's something to look forward to down in the, the southwestern corner of Ontario. His his telecom, to be fair, his telecom announcement last election was actually one of, I thought, the best of the campaign. So um, it was very clever. So we'll see what he we'll see what they do this time. Well, if there's one thing we know about the NDP platform, it's that it's pretty much the same as the last one. So <laughs> um, well, that's, they can, they can get away with that because they haven't been in government for six years, but they, the, Tr Singh can, can actually use the same platform. Uh, Trudeau using the same platform is it's proving to be a problem for him. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it'd we'll be see kind what of funny, wouldn't it? If you, it'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? If you had a platform, which you didn't get a chance to implement. And then two years later, you introduced a completely different platform. Like presumably it should be kind of the same, right? Or you should have done the things you promised. Yeah. Maybe there's that. No, I'm too. talking about the NDP. Like the NDP, oh. why would they come up with a different platform two years later? It's the... Yeah, agreed. Same issue yeah. set. They really, yeah. really just want... They want that Windsor sweep. They have three ridings down there, and they, they're they liable to lose them. But in 2015, they won all three, so they won them again. So that's why he's down there. Yeah. Hey, Nick. Do you think you're getting good value out of these morning shots with us? I love you guys. I love the WhatsApp chat more because that's where you're talking about the West Wing and all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> but like, are you getting groupies now? Like, are you finding like you're getting like a lot of unsolicited Tinder action? Like, we're just wondering, like, what is this adding to your life? It's. I'll tell you what. It's getting me up. So here we are. I don't go to sleep after this. I used to. I used to sleep until seven, seven fifteen. Oh well, you're not a working class 
conservative. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> I never claimed. When are you to be back Scott. on the road? <laughs> <laughs> when are you back on the road? I'm counting down the days. I want to go east. I don't know when. I don't know when. Again, I ask if you can maybe start a petition to get my 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 boss Sue to you know fund the trip. Um, maybe this is a, a public call out. Maybe people can write to Politico, sign up to our playbook, and send us feedback. Say Nick's got to get back out. Whatever it takes. Whatever yeah. it takes. I'm desperate. Well, well, Politico. If you're listening, Nick is a hell of a lot more interesting from a nondescript hotel room somewhere in the somewhere on the 401. Or the Trans Canada. <laughs> then, he, then he is, you know, from this little study in his uh, in his house. Get him on the exactly. road. Get Nick we, on the road. We need, we need to see the best two star uh, inside of a motel room that money can buy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, although I am really quite happy that you just call this a, a study in my house, as opposed to the uh, sparsely decorated second bedroom in my apartment. So that's a win for me today. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. You know what? We're going to get fired by our sponsors if we don't carry on with this show now. So thank you very much, Nick. Okay. I'll see you guys tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. See yeah. you Bye. Frank. Frank Graves. Ecos Overnights. Okay. So Frank. four days of tracking. So that is Tuesday, Monday, Sunday, Saturday. So this is data collected from Saturday to last night. You counted the days of the week backwards. That like really blew my mind there for a second. I had to <laughs> stop and think what was going on, but I got it. I got it now. Backwards what a superior days. intellect. <laughs> Very clearly, yeah. like your mind it mm. operates in a different plane. Thirty-two conservative, thirty-one liberal. 21 NDP, 3.5 Green, 5.7 People's Party, 5.7 Bloc Québécois. No movement. Yeah. Pretty, pretty Ontario, yeah. 400 cases in Ontario, 37 Liberal, 36 Conservative. That's a big problem. So that means a nano five is... Moving all over the place. What uh, What are the dippers at? In Ontario? Yeah. Uh, 17. Hmm. People's Party, 6. That's interesting. Yeah. Ecos has People's Party higher than, than most of the other poll, polling companies. Yeah. I, I'm having a hard time following any of the polling companies. They're all over the, the, the they seem to just kind of be all over the, the, the place. I think that people are getting consumed by them and, and um, uh, they just, to me, seem all over the place. You would know it better, David, but it just seems there's, there's no one, there's none that are really kind of like, they're not mirroring each other. Well, you know, pay attention to the top line and pay a lot less attention to any of the underlying subgroups. So I'm showing, I'm talking about Ontario because there's 400 cases, which means the margin of error there is about 6%. So even there, we could be looking at significantly different results than what I'm reporting. Um, so, But the top line numbers should be very accurate. The problem is, like, when, when I was doing campaigns, I do a lot more nightly cases because I have to know what's going on in the regions. I have to know what's going on in the demographics. I can't be guessing. 
but you know, at, at uh, 250 nightly cases, really just pay attention to the top line. And I think the top line of almost all the polling companies is consistent that this race has settled into a tie over the course of the first week. Uh, I, pretty much everybody's saying that one version or another. But, you know, if you start comparing Abacus's regionals to Main Street's regionals, you're going to go down a rabbit hole that will drive you crazy. Well, I'll just say it because we say it every podcast. Fuck if they had just listened to us and gone in June. Or July. Well, yeah, if they'd gone earlier and if they'd had a better start. But here we are. Here we are, a little bit more than a week in, and it's a tie. And with those numbers in Ontario, it is a genuine tie. It isn't an illusory tie. It's a genuine tie. It's funny. Elections are one of those times where, even in disagreement, Canadians come together to connect over where we're headed in the future. Our presenting sponsor, TELUS, makes it their mission to make digital connectivity more powerful and reliable, and to connect Canadians living in remote, rural, and Indigenous communities. In fact, since 2013, they've invested over $5 billion to connect 137 communities and 56 First Nations across BC, Alberta, and parts of Quebec to their world-leading pure fibre network. Have you ever heard of Eden Valley, Alberta? It's known for its gorgeous terrain of hills, valleys, and highly unreliable cell signals because of those hills and valleys. When COVID hit, there was an outbreak at a local packing plant. 18 members of the Bear Spa First Nation working in the plant tested positive. Immediate communication with Alberta public health officials became critical. So TELUS quickly deployed a powerful cell site on wheels. They call it a cow, normally used for one-off occasions. Community leaders got to work tracing contacts and limiting spread of the virus. Supports were put in place for families as those who tested positive went into isolation. The key to it all? Flawless connectivity between residents, families, and public health. And as for the future, TELUS believes we must work urgently and collaboratively to ensure that 100% of Canadians and Indigenous peoples living in Canada including rural Canadian and Indigenous communities, can get access to reliable, high-speed broadband networks and connectivity by 2025. You can find out more about all this at telus.com slash connectingcanada. So uh, let's start with the healthcare fight that went on yesterday. Because O'Toole bit in a big way on the Liberal attack with his response. And... Um, I thought a lot about his response was interesting, and I'll get to my I'll get to my thoughts in a second. But either one of you, what did you think about yesterday and how it went down? Well, I think it's listen. I think what Aaron is saying is pretty it's pretty genuine. What his position is essentially what healthcare delivery is in Canada uh, now. I think though the fact that uh, he's he was on day three of uh, explaining that he doesn't support uh, uh, private healthcare is is a bit of a problem for the. Uh, it's a bit of a problem for the campaign. It's it's Aaron's a smart guy, so he's he's wanting to like explain his opinion more than what he what he needs to. It's it, it's it's kind of the when we when we've watched our political bosses in the past when they do a good answer and then they're like and and they put their hand up and we're like shut up you just answered the question and so I think that's kind of a bit of that. But I I think that the liberals obviously feel that they've kind of uh, nicked a wound um, or picked a scab on the conservative campaign, uh, so to speak. Uh, and Aaron's 
Aaron spent day three um, uh, of uh, of the campaign uh, answering uh, answering questions about his position on private health care. Yeah, Jenny put her thumb right on what I was going to say, right, which is that O'Toole yesterday did the thing that liberals often do, which is that they felt compelled to explain to people that what they think isn't accurate, accurate, and that I, as a leader of a political party, I'm going to tell you what the reality of public policy actually is and how, therefore, you should not be alarmed by what I'm proposing, blah, 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 that kind of... I'm going to inform you about what you should know already. That never plays with people. It certainly doesn't play with people in the face of emotion, which is what healthcare is all about. It's a values and an emotive issue. Uh, and the fact that you've got three days running on this, uh, I think is, is really significant. I also think Scott Moe's intervention is, a, is an absolute godsend. Um, you look back in 2004 when we went on healthcare, David, in the middle of the campaign, we, we find ourselves seven points down. We weren't tied. We were down. Like we were, and we looked like that, you know, we'd gone over the horizon and it was over now. We were on a downward People trajectory. People were in the old bits. Absolutely. Um, and we went on healthcare two, three days. We were getting some traction, but not tons of traction. It really took off when Ralph Klein decided that he wanted to tangle with us on it. That opened up the federal conservatives. That opened up the entire debate. Scott Moe intervening in this is an opportunity for the liberals. And I think today they should take that opportunity and just wipe O'Toole's face with it. If he wants to explain to people how private delivery occurs within a universally funded healthcare system and how he's comfortable with what's happening in Saskatchewan, he wants to back Scott Moe as opposed to bring it on like i would i would drag this fight out and jenny's exactly right o'toole will be really well served uh to just give a one sentence answer say we've discussed this it is what it is i'm not talking about it anymore let's move on um but uh this is a a, a good run and i thought the liberals had a good announcement as well yesterday and i thought they had a you know i think the liberals had a an okay day yesterday, more than an okay day. I thought they again, it's another example of them driving the message. First two days in a row, they've been driving the message. It was so interesting to me to hear O'Toole talking about healthcare because he doesn't talk about it the way liberals talk about it. He doesn't use any of the uh, sorry expressions. Oh my God, it is <laughs> Sam Reed. Hi. Hi. Sam. Hi, how Danny. are you? Hi, Uncle David. Okay. Great to see you. Get out of I, here. I miss that's your hat. Some pen, that's miss some your impressive hat. hair you're going down there, Sam. I miss I your hat. I like. I love your hat. But the pictures that your I dad posts will, with your hat. So. Okay. Get out of here. <laughs> go play with matches. <laughs> the medicine cabinet. Go. Go. I'll be home later. Get out of here. <laughs> that Sorry. was up. That was fun. Um. <laughs> So, uh, he doesn't call it Medicare, for example. He doesn't refer to it as our cherished healthcare system. He doesn't really talk about what he likes about it. He doesn't even, as Mulroney did, call it a sacred trust. He calls it something, I'm going to get the words wrong, but something like our present healthcare system or our current, our current healthcare system. And then goes on to talk a lot about choice and about the importance of innovation, which, by the way, in case anybody thinks that Canadians respond to the term innovation, they don't. Um, but in any event, um, uh, and, and talk about choice, which, you know, to my ear immediately undercuts, immediately makes me suspicious about um, 
about your motivations in there. Having said that, I will say that when Brad Wall introduced those MRI clinics in uh, diagnostic clinics in Saskatchewan, I had a lot of arguments with people about how that would lead to the destruction of the public system. And you know, that's not that intuitive for people. Um, and so it's not immediately obvious to a lot of people why introducing a surge capacity for wealthy people uh, undercuts the validity of the of the public system. So I'm not 100% sure how this is going to go, but it really seemed to me like O'Toole was welcoming the discussion. Yeah, listen, but I think that's, this is the difference between uh, an emotive argument and an intellectual one. Like the, the introduction of MRI clinics in private clinics in Saskatchewan didn't, wasn't the destruction of the public health care system there. Like we're, we're let's not forget, Tr Trudeau, we've, we've now have debates on the other side. Trudeau went into uh, New Brunswick and I don't think anyone should bring this fucking shit up, but uh, we can't, we're lucky that we can talk about anything. Trudeau went into New Brunswick two months ago and talked and criticized the provincial government for uh, shutting down or not funding a private abortion clinic. Uh, like it's it's so so there's there's no it, like and it, this is not an intellectual argument for people anyone that's that's had family members in the healthcare system has known there are deficiencies um uh within this uh within the system and so um i think though it's still for some people the sacred cow the the uh you know the people that that talk about it being medicare and i think that I, I just to answer, I think our system is great. The provinces need more money would have been the answer that then would have like then then people could have moved on from instead uh, of having an intellectual debate about it. David, you've really drawn a perfect pathway for both parties and both main parties on this topic uh, because you've given people the warning signals of where to and where not to go. You couldn't be more right um, uh, about O'Toole. And as Jenny says, it's an emotional argument. It's not an intellectual one. Therefore, talking about choice and innovation, when people hear the word innovation, they hear something's changing and I'll probably get fucked. So that's not good. Right? And second, your point about the logic that it requires and the steps in the logic ladder that are, are required for people to connect the MRI innovation to, you know, the deterioration of Medicare. Um, that's a, an important signal to the liberals of where not to go on this, right? Again, don't make the mistake of in response, trying to intellectualize it and explain to people, well, it's really important. I do a Ted talk here on exactly how this unfolds and the sweater unravels. Don't worry about that, right? You've got conflict now, right? And they gave themselves relatively quietly because it was in a statement two nights ago in, in the evening at like nine o'clock. They've given themselves a hammer to have a fight on this thing now by saying, we're going to claw back. Okay, so we're not going to have a fucking fight about innovation. The fight we're going to have about, about the fight we're going to have right now is if Scott Moe is coming onto the battlefield and he says he's going to keep doing this, well, then we're telling you, no, you're not going to play at matches with the healthcare system, with our treasured and cherished Medicare system, or we will. How are they going to finesse Quebec? You. How are they going to finesse Quebec? They won't worry about it. There's, uh, uh, sorry, I, I, I think it will be cognitive dissonance as it has been in English Canada and Quebec for at least 70 years. That's what I think. Nobody, nobody, no, no other political party is going to bring, maybe, maybe PPC, no other political party is going to bring up, well, Quebec's doing it, so everyone else should. I, I just don't see, I don't see the Conservatives or the NDP going down that road. So they won't say, they won't say, you fucking hypocrites, you are whacking Saskatchewan because you don't give a shit about Saskatchewan, you liberals. 
but you won't touch Quebec because you desperately need it, and they've got private clinics all over the place. Mo Conservatives will. won't say that, and that wouldn't play in Ontario? Mo will have to. Why wouldn't O'Toole say that? I think the I think this I think the O'Toole campaign I think from everything you've seen they're very bullish about their chances in in Quebec they see a path to victory uh, they see a path to victory through Quebec so I don't think that they're I don't think they'll I don't think I think they should don't get me wrong I'm not saying what I what I how I would want to do it I just don't see them I I think they've 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 put a lot of uh, they have put a lot of stock and energy into Quebec and so I don't see I, I don't see why they if they were going to bring it up why wouldn't they already have brought it up. Uh, by the way, one uh, you, you talk about where this could go next, David, and Quebec is one place where it could go next, and and that dissonance. Another place that this could go next. Let this thing f uh, play up the fight, play up the fight, bring Mo onto the battlefield, get a day or two out of that. But then, if you're elevating this to an emotional values level, like you and I talk about, and Jenny's saying as well, and recommending if you're going to be into this, then the obvious place that this could migrate to three, four days from now is back to vaccinations. You, If you're the liberals, you could be saying, hey, you guys don't get the fundamental value proposition here, what? which is that we are going to protect our Medicare system because it protects our people. And while we're on the topic, let's talk about the fact that banks and sports stadiums and school boards and cops are all insisting on mandatory vaccinations. And we've got a premier in Ontario who is not. We've got a premier in Alberta who is not. They just happen to be conservatives. We've got a guy who's running a campaign who has candidates who are not vaccinated and you guys are not getting the value proposition there either it can migrate into that and I, as you know i've been saying since the beginning i really think with the delta rising and schools returning i i think the second half of the campaign is going to be dominated by this issue i think listen i so, thought listen, i thought sorry david go ahead i was going to say jenny just to throw in a piece of information some more data from frank at ecos that over 90% of liberal voters support mandatory vaccination. Over 90% of NDP voters support mandatory vaccination. About 50% of conservative voters support mandatory vaccination. Tell me why that isn't a perfect wedge issue. Yeah, I think it should. Listen, I'm a conservative who doesn't support mandatory vaccination, but I actually think that every company, every uh, ball stadium, every airline, everyone should should uh, should make that decision if they want to be doubly back. I'm very pro vaccination, not mandatory vaccination. But if I were the liberals, uh, if I were the liberals, I would be going down that road. It's become more of an issue. Um, you know, BC was out uh, yesterday saying that uh, masks are going to be required indoors again, and with with students uh, in grades four to uh, twelve. Pallister was out making another similar announcement. Uh, I've heard the Alberta government is 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 thinking of doing the the same we're still in ontario here we, we still are have a mask mandate for uh for inside which could then lead to like that's so people are scared it's leading to uh, uh it's going to lead to further lockdowns and i think you're going to see more of a uh, a growing animosity among those that are vaccinated towards those that are uh those that are not i spoke to a relative who actually had an allergic reaction to the 
to the first uh, the first shot that that they got and uh, broke out in severe hives and and what have you. And and uh, I said, well, I guess you could get a medical exemption for for work. And she goes, I can. I'm seeing a doctor like next week because I just get the sense that people are not going to be nice to people who are not vaccinated, regardless of like even if there's a legitimate reason like her. So that's the sense that people are getting there, which is why if I were the liberals, I would be going after candidates more than than what they seem to be. I'd be doing what you guys did to us on abortion and have the media call around or 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 make it like just a drip, 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 like like on different uh, candidates, like make stars out of unknown people that are running across the country. Yeah. You've got an important subtlety in, in what you said there, which I think the Liberals would be well advised to hear, uh, Jenny, which is that when this issue gets uncorked and it turns into a full-throated uh, values fight, which I think it will, I think that's inevitable in this campaign, one of the things that the Liberals can't sound like they're saying is uh, that they are comfortable with a pathway back to uh, lockdown like it's got it's got to be this is the mechanism by which we avoid further lockdowns right like that the way to protect our population and our economy from further lockdowns is to say if you're not vaccinated you don't get to interact with the rest of society as do those who have taken that step Uh, and that's just an important subtlety because you don't want to sound like you're um, sounding like you're resigned to further lockdowns because nobody wants that 100 percent agreed Since Confederation, owning a home has been part of the Canadian dream. For most people, that dream is much more than just a monthly mortgage payment. A home is where we create our fondest memories and where we can truly be ourselves. For too many, especially young adults, that reality is out of reach and it's getting worse. The good news is our original sponsor, the Ontario Real Estate Association, or RIA for short, has a plan to save the Canadian dream of home ownership. It includes lowering costs for first-time buyers, ending money laundering in the real estate market, and cutting years of red tape that is standing in the way of more affordable homes for families. The ARIA plan will lay the foundation for a future where all people can find a place to call home. When we support the dreams of all of us who want to own a home, we're building healthier families, stronger communities, and a safer, more secure future for all. Read their plan at ARIA.com backslash affordable homes. Hey, can I ask you both uh, quickly about something? Because <clears throat> you know what? The time's flying by again on us again. The Liberals, we all think they had a good day yesterday uh, fighting with O'Toole about health care, but they also made a massive announcement yesterday on uh, housing. And um, that's a pretty big issue. They needed to communicate that, but they were prepared to, as they probably should have been, prepared to step all over it in order to have this fight about healthcare, so they're not really going to get a clean um, execution on the housing announcement. Should they have been prepared to do that, or should they have changed their housing announcement once they saw the healthcare thing coming down the track? Or how would you have managed that? I still would have, I think, done the exact same thing that uh, that they did. The, the the benefits that the libs have by not putting out a platform is that they 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 can actually go out and continue to talk about this. There's not something out there where people have have digested. So the liberals can continue to talk about this. And now that they have it out, candidates can put it on literature. They can they can run ads about it. Uh, he can bring it up in the debate when people are paying more attention than what they are. But I I would have I would have stayed on the uh, I would have stayed on the attack um, if if I was if I was running their campaign the way they did. 
Yeah, I think they made the right call in, in both running the attack and bringing forward the housing policy. It's just, it, it's such a necessary precondition. I don't think they were ever going to get some giant chorus of a, uh, of applause from the public saying, oh, well, now you've got a housing policy, so we see that you get it on affordability. I think it was a mountain they had to climb. Now they have to keep climbing it back. And they are doing something today they've not done before in this campaign, which I think is really wise. They are sticking with housing. Like, we haven't seen them go on the same issue two days. And so yesterday they did that big housing announcement, which I think is, uh, it is a pretty comprehensive, uh, you know, to be fair, O'Toole's announcement was comprehensive. This is probably even more comprehensive, really supply-side oriented. Um, and they're going to stick with it a second day. I think that's smart. That shows some dedication to it. And this is an issue that you're going to have to bring up again later in the campaign. One last thing. I would dig into that housing announcement if I were the Liberals, and I'm taking your advice, David, and I would find one of the policies in there that you can wedge the NDP on. The NDP have been talking about a bunch of stuff on housing. So, for example, their list, and I'm going to sound really technical, they're lifting the mortgage cap from 1 million to 1.25 million. It'll be very tempting for the NDP to say, oh, so you're just rewarding millionaires and people in Vancouver and in Toronto, a $1.25 million house is no longer the uh, dominion of uh, the, the ultra rich. I think maybe you could try to tempt the NDP into a fight on that it's issue. It's a shed in a back alley for Christ's sake. Exactly. So I would just, I, I would be looking, I like the fact that they're going on housing a second day in a row. I like the commitment to it. And, and I'd be trying to find that David Hurley NDP wedge that you've been talking about since day one, David. Excellent. Um, Jenny, you got a thought on the second day of worker announcements for O'Toole? Uh, I mean, I'm liking these announcements personally. They are appealing to me. I think they're good policy. Uh, and I think, they're I, I think they're super interesting political strategy. I think it's interesting. But as I said yesterday, I don't think anyone's, I, I, I don't think one vote is going to be changed uh, by the fact that uh, there could be union representation on like the Air Canada corporate board. Like I, I just, I don't. But what about the pension thing? I love that pension announcement. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the pension thing. It, it, listen, it's it's an it's an issue that there's people in Ottawa. Remember Nortel? That's that's the issue that happened right. back in the uh, back in the 2000s. So it's an issue that um, I, I know very much. It was captive, like it captivated the Ottawa uh, the Ottawa area in kind of the 2000s when when the whole thing was yeah. uh, was going down. So I think I think the uh, I think the policies are are interesting. I'm not sure how big of of, uh, of vote movers. Um, of vote movers, they are. I think that I think yesterday's policy was better than the the the, the one on uh, Monday with boards. That, that one I actually think has limited appeal. I think this one yesterday actually has as an opportunity for for appeal. My mother was a lifelong worker at factory floor at Nortel, and when it all went up in smoke, her pension got fucked. And so I, I do think that that announcement, I mean, you've made the point before that when the conservatives are doing well in elections, they tend to attract that lunch bucket vote anyway. They cross that over. Yeah. Um, I just think it's smart for O'Toole to make certain he doesn't take that for granted. He's finding a way to continue to lay claim to it. So I, I like those announcements. I think they're smart. Especially off the NDP they're feeling, and the unions, they're feeling the need to respond and to take him on, which I they get, kind of they enjoying get, watching. They get, they, get, they get unhappy about it. Eh? They get very pissy. Yeah. You see on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for our curses. Who's got a curse? 
Well, mine's not really a curse. Mine is, I think the, um, I think the, the conservatives have been holding back some, well, we've seen their platform. So that's, that's, that's the pr- a problem that they have, but they've been holding back, I think on some more of the, I, I'm not going to use the term red meat because that would, wouldn't be accurate in terms of what I think red meat is, uh, but they, the, any of the substantive policies or any of the big ones. And I think they're probably holding off a lot uh, of those because uh, they're, they're looking at doing those after Labor Day when more people are paying attention and you're kind of into the home stretch. But I think considering the um uh considering the kind of few days they've had we'll see if we'll see if trudeau gets another um uh kind of another kick at the can uh to scott's point because of uh saskatchewan and 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 mo um if i were them i would be rejigging the uh, rollo calendar and i'd be putting something more substantive to try to bigfoot um the attacks that that um i'm getting on the private health care debate yeah, if the Liberals found their footing, as Scott and I at least seem to think that they have over the last few days, it, stood, it should start to show up in the tracking. You'd think. In the next few days. Yeah. Scott? Uh, well, that takes me directly. To, um, my thought is almost an extension. My curse of the day is uh, Scott Moe. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, wading into this debate, taking the catnip, and uh, by extension, um, creating a problem for O'Toole today because now O'Toole has to respond to Scott Moe's intervention. He has to back him up. And to me, it's a sign of what could be if you're a liberal dreamer. If you're a liberal dreamer, you dream of a campaign where Scott <laughs> Moe and Jason Kenney and Doug Ford wander all over the fucking highway and just smash cars into the barriers, right? And uh, that's what I, 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 I think, you know, Scott Moe, I understand why he waited in. It was a mistake for him to do it. It's going to complicate the federal campaign. And if I'm the liberals, I start saying to myself, this is the recipe. So let's get Mo out there. Let's get Kenny out there. And for the love of God, I don't know where they, they dropped Doug Ford down a mine shaft somewhere, you know, north of Red Lake. But they ought to get him and get him out onto the campaign fast. Well, Trudeau went after him yesterday. The gentleman's agreement was was done it was day shocking. 10 and it was done so <laughs> shocking shall we shall we say a word or two for the sad passing of the the nine day the nine, nine day gestating truce yes i was glad to see that i think that uh, there is a natural and correct rhythm to uh to federal liberals <laughs> fighting with uh, provincial doug Ford. that uh, and then uh, i'm pretty sure that if O'Toole and the conservatives Pretty sure if O'Toole and the Conservatives have an auxiliary tour that Scott Moe was not on it. <laughs> Doug Ford was in Thunder right, Bay. Curse, it... He was in. He was what? north. He was no, Doug Ford was north of Thunder Bay yesterday. I'd be dragging his ass down to the four hundred one. Right. <laughs> My curse is just an observation. My observation is that the NDP are without much comment, running an intensely negative campaign um it's really interesting and it, and really focused exclusively on trudeau not on the conservatives at all and not on even the liberals but on trudeau and trudeau's character and trudeau's trustworthiness singh brings it up every day in his comments he doesn't say anything without saying that and i saw several ndp ads on television last night all of which they seem to be about 15 seconds long all of which have exactly the same point, which is Trudeau personally can't be trusted. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they do that for 36 days, what effect that has on Trudeau's uh, numbers. Well, what's your guess, David? Is that going to wear? It's going to wear the armor down? Yeah. Okay. I think it is. 
I think it is. Uh, I think with certain populations, Singh has the credibility to make that case, and there's a vulnerability to it, um, and it's unhelpful. I mean, it's always, as you know, Scott, unhelpful when the NDP have the liberals in their crosshairs as opposed to the conservatives. And uh, so they're back to the same strategies uh, that Leighton ran against us, which is it's not about defeating conservatives. It's about electing new Democrats. And uh, so we'll see what happens. That's smart for them. Yeah. Incumbency is a bitch, man. It takes away the new car smell. And, you know, that's <laughs> new car smell is a big part of Trudeau's political success over the years. Guys, so much fun again this morning. Wake me up over the course of half an hour. You wake me right up. I'm all <laughs> charged up and ready to go now for the day. Thanks for coming out uh, again. Thank you, Nick, for joining us from Politico. Thank you, Frank and Ecos, for your numbers again this morning. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, TELUS, and to our sponsor, Aurea, the Ontario Real Estate Association, who are not happy about yesterday's housing announcement. You might want to check out their uh, news release on that on that subject. And... Uh, Thanks for everybody who watched or listened, and we'll see you tomorrow morning for more Curse.